أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد so today I wanted to read a couple of sections uh, from the book with regards to uh, the Sufic virtues of the heart the good qualities of the heart through which a person uh, makes themselves eligible for the fadl of Allah Ta'ala and the divine outpouring of His grace and fuyul onto the heart uh, that are necessary in order to per- have, for a person to have nisbah with Allah Ta'ala uh, and to benefit from their living heart. So today I wanted to talk about first ithar. Ithar is what it means to give preference uh, to the needs of your fellow Muslim over your own needs. Uh, and it's, you know, the Mana Qamar zaman here writes Muslim because the sharaf of the Muslim over all of the creation. But there's benefit and there's virtue in Ithar for, for, uh, for any of God's creation. Although... Uh, there is certain times where certain things are more appropriate than others. So in order to spare your life, if you uh, prefer yourself over, for example, an animal or a plant, then that's good. That's not a, a blameworthy thing for a person to do. Or if you make ithar based on the sharia, for example, that you give your zakat to a Muslim rather than to a non-Muslim, uh, that's praiseworthy. Why? Because the sharia demands it. The zakat is not valid if you give it to a non-Muslim. However, uh, showing ithar preference of another person or another one of Allah's creation over yourself in a manner where the sharia is not contravened and you are not uh, skirting any responsibility you have to, to yourself or to somebody else, there's khair in that as well. So he says, ithar means to give preference to the needs of your fellow Muslim over your own needs. This is why we see the, the people of Allah giving preference to the needs and necessities of other Muslims over their own needs and necessities. Even if they obtain food when they are extremely hungry, they prefer remaining hungry over, uh, uh, they prefer to remain hungry and to give over the food to needy people. Allah Most High says in His book, uh, those people who took uh, the dar as home, uh, uh, meaning the, the ansar, the, the people who took Medina as, uh, as their native place of residence, uh, and iman as their, uh, as their native place of residence before, uh, from beforehand. Uh, those people uh, uh, love the ones that made hijrah toward them. They love the ones who immigrated toward them, the, uh, the, uh, the, the muhajirun. Uh, so it's a, it's a clear reference to the, to the virtues of the ansar. And ithar is, is literally the, the bay'ah that the ansar had with the Prophet ﷺ. When they accepted, when they accepted Islam... Uh, if you want to talk about nisbah and you want to talk about submission and you want to talk about the servant being a servant through his service, not through his ahwal, uh, the Ansar radiallahu anhu were the only people who accepted the message of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam without asking for anything in return. 
there were other people who recognized uh, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's message from the different tribes outside of Makkah Mukarramah other than the Muhajirun. But they, they tried to bargain with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That if, uh, you know, if this thing becomes successful, then promise us that we'll be the rulers and the leaders and Quraysh won't, won't be the rulers and leaders, etc. They tried to bargain with the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Whereas the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the Ansar radiallahu anhum, not only did they not try to bargain, they accepted the haq because it's the haq. And they accepted the service of Allah because the Lord is the Lord and the servant is the servant. Uh, but on top of that, they actually, one of the conditions of their bay'ah and their oath of allegiance with Allah Ta'ala and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is that they'll prefer others over themselves. This is why when Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passed away, um, the logical outcome was that they were going to take their Medina back because it was their Medina. They allowed the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to come and they protected him and made him their leader. Otherwise it was their city. So they were going to take control of it again. And uh, Sayyidina Abu Bakr who politely reminded them that uh, uh, that their oath of allegiance with the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was to prefer the people who immigrate to them over themselves. And once they remembered that, then they abandoned this plan immediately. And they simply asked, which one of you wants to be Amir now? Mm-hmm. And that's why there wasn't, there wasn't a fight, there wasn't a squabble between the Ansar and Muhajirin over who... Who gets to take over? Uh, who gets to rule Medina after the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam is gone? So this is this quality of theirs is immortalized in the Book of Allah Taala. Uh, uh, that the people who uh, 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 took as a place of residence the dar. Uh, uh, and faith before uh, the immigrants came to them, and they loved those who immigrated toward them. Um, they loved those who immigrated toward them. And uh, 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 they don't find any uh, 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 reservation inside of their hearts with regards to the things that Allah gave them. Rather, they prefer others over themselves, even though dire poverty is their lot. It says, وَيُثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاصَةً That they, they uh, prefer others over themselves, even though dire poverty is their own lot. يُثِرُونَ يعني They practice ithar. Uh, they, 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 they prefer others over themselves Even though dire poverty is their lot And whoever Allah Ta'ala protects from the stinginess of his own uh, nafs that Those people are the ones who attain success Mawana continues He says the righteous ones give preference to the needs of others over their own selves Even when they are in hungry and when they are in need The Ahlullah, the people of Allah Enjoy a high and distinguished position By virtue of their noble character And their matchless quality of giving preference to others May Allah Ta'ala enable the Muslims of today to follow in the footsteps of our pious predecessors. Uh, while, conferring them, uh, 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 while conferring them with their uh, love and devotion uh, and, and with their dard, that, that Allah conferred to them the, the, the pain that our forefathers had, that we also carried that pain in our hearts as well. Uh, and that, 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 that suffering on behalf of the Ummah of the Prophet wasallam that we feel for them. Nafi' Rahimahullah Ta'ala The great uh, Tabi'i The freed slave of Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar Relates from Abdullah bin Umar Radiallahu anhuma That once he uh, he fell ill And uh, uh, he uh, uh, expressed his desire to eat uh, fresh fish uh, The servant boy uh, relates That I looked for fresh fish in the markets of Medina But could not find any After some time I came across uh, fresh fish and I bought one for uh, uh, Abdullah bin Omar for one and a half dirhams 
So like seven seven fifty or something like that, whatever. How much it costs to have a meal at Fatouche or whatever, you know, and and in in uh, by Bridgeview. So he goes, he goes, he goes. One and a half dirhams. He says after I grilled grilled the fish, I placed it on a on a piece of bread. Uh, this is what happens when Desi people translate uh, uh, books in Arabic. Uh, the translation literally is that I placed it on a roti. Uh, obviously, that's not what the Arabic <laughs> original says. <laughs> Mashallah. See, Mashallah, there's somebody in the majlis today who said that today I, I ended up uh, uh, trying to sell uh, 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 Arab sweets to Desi grocery store owners. Right? So Allah rewarded you now. That now the Desi suite is going to the Arabs, yeah. mashallah. Not one, two of them, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Allah Ta'ala repaid you in double. He says, so he says, that, he says that after grilling the fish, I placed it on a piece of bread and presented it to him. In the meanwhile, a beggar arrived at the door. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhum said, wrap this fish in the piece of bread and give it to the beggar. I said, may Allah keep you well. You've been expressing your desire to eat fish for so long and you could not obtain one. And we eventually found one today and brought it to you for one and a half dirhams. You should therefore eat it. I'll go give the beggar the one and a half dirhams that it cost to, to, to buy the fish. Um, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu refused to eat it and insisted that it be given to the beggar. Uh, the beggar, the, the servant boy gave the, the fish uh, uh, wrapped in the piece of bread to the beggar. Since the boy was a sincere uh, attendant uh, and sincere in his service uh, of Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhu wa anhuma, and he knew that uh, that uh, uh, Abdullah bin Umar had an intense desire to eat the fish, uh, which he had obtained after a long time, uh, 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 he also wanted Abdullah bin Umar to eat it and regain some of his strength. So he therefore said to the beggar, "Is it okay if I buy that uh, uh, that uh, fish fruit back from you?" Uh, for for a dirham and a half, and the beggar agreed, and the boy gave him the gave him the money and took the fish back. He then presented it to Abdullah bin Omar and related what happened between him and the beggar. Uh, Abdullah bin Omar who says, "Return the fish and the bread to the beggar and let him keep the the, the dirham and a half as well." Uh, and on that occasion, Abdullah bin Omar related the hadith of the Messenger of Allah He said, I heard the Messenger of Allah say, If a person has a desire for something but repulses his desire for Allah's sake and gives preference to someone else over himself, Allah will certainly forgive him. قال إني سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول Literally, any person who has who feels a desire for something, and then returns that desire, like sends it back, meaning it doesn't doesn't indulge it. Rather, prefers for another person to have that desire fulfilled rather than themselves. This is an occasion for Allah Taala to forgive them. Allah Taala will will forgive that person. And this this narration is also mentioned by Imam Ghazali in his Ihya. There is a great lesson for us in this story that Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiAllahu anhu gave. Nowadays, uh, many Muslims do not worry about others and f- are fully occupied in fulfilling their desires. Uh, every person, uh, due to his greed, is worried about nothing but himself. Uh, he does not bother about helping his fellow Muslims, whereas it is an excellent means for having one's sins forgiven 
uh, as is clear from the above hadith of Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar, uh, may Allah be pleased with both of them. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum enjoyed a distinguished position in their concern for the poor and seeing to their needs. They used to give preference to the needs of others over themselves. This was a blessed quality of our elders uh, uh, in, in the past. And nowadays it seems that most Muslims have succumbed to their own self-motives and worrying about their own selves, their own uh, nafs. Uh, and this is something, uh, there's a, a Sufic excellence in it that uh, uh, has not, not nothing to do with feeding the poor. Nowadays there are p people are like, well, you know, uh, if we, feed, you know, we want to feed the poor. Why? Because people think it's their own job to like. Uh, feed the creation of Allah And it's not your job Allah Ta'ala You know in some sense If Allah Ta'ala wished to Feed the poor He would have fed them himself uh, This is an objection actually That the mushrikeen uh, Bring and Allah Immortalizes it In the Surah Yasin uh, 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 He says and Allah Ta'ala then says, Antum illa fi mubin. He says that, that if it's said to them, spend on the poor, they say, why should we bother to feed those people if Allah wished to feed them? Uh, then then uh, he would have fed them. And Allah Ta'ala says, you people are completely lost. You people are in just clear, clear, like clearly wandering in, 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 uh, in confusion. The idea is this, if Allah Ta'ala wished to feed them, he would have fed them. Now how would he have fed them? He could have made you know manna and quail magically appear for them he did that for Banu Israel he can do it again it's fine but if Allah is feeding the poor with manna and quail then how how are you and me going to go to Jannah why are you and I going to go to Jannah you know you, what's you, you understand what I'm saying like when you say that if Allah wished to feed them he would have fed him himself it's basically another way of saying like I'm going to hell you know what I mean? That's why it's dalal. It's not that it's not true. It is, theoretically speaking, it's true. It's Allah's qadr if he wished to. He wished to his qudra, he wished to. He could have fed them. We read the surah shu'ara in the, in the uh, uh, taraweeh today. Allah Ta'ala says, if we wished to, we would have sent down such a sign. All of their necks would have been bent in humil humility in front of it. Everyone, all of them. Donald Trump and... Bethany, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Mike Pence and uh, Vladimir Putin and like Kim Jong-il and like all these jokers, they would just be, they'd have their heads bent in front of the, in front, in front of uh, uh, the sign and they would all make Toba. Allah Ta'ala, if you wish to, you could have sent down a sign from the sky such that all of them would have fallen into line. The issue is this is not, it's not your, it's not, it's not, it doesn't benefit you to think about what should Allah do. He knows better than you what he should do. It's for you to think, what should you do? For me to think, what should I do? This happened. I mean, I, I worked with Islamic Relief. I remember I was in a masjid in, in Ohio. Anyone who's not in Ohio should right now just take a minute to thank Allah Ta'ala that they're not in Ohio. And, and whoever is in Ohio, Allah give you sabr and inshallah reward for your patience with uh, this ajib kafiyat that you're in. I was in a random masjid in Ohio and uh, literally the masjid security guard, he was, I mean, he was a Muslim. He was like, for, you know, from whatever, from the Bilad. He came to me when we were like, whatever, doing Islamic Relief uh, fundraising. He's like, well, what is this? We shouldn't have to give money to this. The Saudis can take care of all of it. They can pay all of it. I said, yeah, that's good. But then why are you going to go to Jannah, man? <laughs> He's like, no, the Saudis have money. I, said, I, understand, I understand the Saudis have money. Okay. And they do actually, you know, whether you hate them or love them, there are people in Saudi Arabia who are very generous as well. And they do take care of some people, you know. Uh, uh, and so uh, whether you feel like it's enough or not is irrelevant. Uh, but if they're the ones who take care of everybody, then why are you going to go to Jannah? 
so I mean that's it's it's not a good it's not a good uh, it's not a good mindset to have. Rather, the Sahaba radiAllahu anhum they saw in these things a a, a opportunity for Allah Taala to forgive them because the kafia is there in the heart, and this is one of the reasons that such like ithar is such a powerful. Uh, a vehicle to attract the forgiveness of Allah and the love of Allah Ta'ala uh, is that, that sometimes you want something really bad and you know inside your heart you really want it bad. And with a person's deeds, you know, nowadays everyone thinks the only good deed is like to become a rich person and then like give some nondescript donation at some nondescript point in the future or to be an imam or to be a speaker or to give a khutbah or to do something public that has prestige involved in it, right? And those things, who knows? Allah is tayyib, you only accept from the, the, that which is tayyib. If there's any, any admixture of impurity in that deed, Allah is not going to accept it. Uh, however, so in those deeds you don't know. I mean, a good piece of advice is to, is to in your inside your the record books of your heart, pretend that none of those deeds are going to be accepted. You know, your one tweet that you said the haq and you got like a thousand retweets or whatever, right? In your heart, just write it off like it's a loss, like it was your property and it burned down. Why? Because your nafs was happy that you became famous, or your nafs was happy that you made money out of it, or you enjoyed something out of it, right? But the reason, I mean, this is not a completely like negative way of looking at things because there's another side of the coin as well. Imagine something like, you know, you wanted to, uh, you know, you wanted something and another person wanted something. You know, you wanted a business contract and your brother wanted the contract as well. And sometimes you know that that person needs it. You know, you wanted to have the, the you know, in Hajj, you wanted to have the good bed uh, uh, with the view or close to the bathroom. And the other person wanted it as well. Or you wanted to buy the last, you know, of something and someone else wanted it as well. And you know you want it. And you know inside it's that childlike, like re reflexive like type of desire inside of your heart. The other side of the coin is what? Is that in those situations you know for sure that there's no conflict of interest because you know how badly you want it. At that point, if you can step on the neck of your nafs and just push that thing away... Um, this is like uh, like like money in the money in the bank. Like spiritually, it's completely it's money in the bank, and uh, uh, you know there are a lot of things like that that you just you just like want it so bad. And Sayyidina Abdullah bin Omar anhu, the story that's that's told about him here, uh, it shows that he recognized that that he had that inside of his heart, and the beggar probably couldn't really give uh, give that much of a care. I mean, he was ready to he basically sold the fish back for the money, right? He really didn't care about the fish. Uh, but Abdullah bin Umar who wasn't doing it for the beggar. Feeding the beggar is whose job? It's Allah's job. Right? What is he trying to do? He's trying to make his fish his najat out of the, you know, out of his, his salvation, Yom Qiyamah, out of this deal. And so that's why. Say, say, there, there's so many, you know, say that Aisha, this attitude in general, not just with Ithar, this attitude in general, say that Aisha, Anha said, it said that she used to perfume the co coins that she would give in Sadaqah. It's a beggar when they smell it, you know, it smells nice. And uh, someone said that to her, like, uh, 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 nobody, like the beggar doesn't, the beggars don't care, they're going to spend it anyway. He said, I'm not, she said, I'm not doing it for the beggars. It's for the sake of Allah that I want to do it with Ihsan when I do it, you know? And so that, that, that focus on Allah Ta'ala is better than a hundred and a thousand and a million and a billion people's charities that are done just for tax reasons or for the reason of nafs or whatever. We have all sorts of billionaires that will donate like this much money to, you know, cure AIDS or to fight cancer or to f f fight poverty or whatever. But if they're not doing it for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, then it's, it's a, still, it's a nice thing to do. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that they're doing, but it begins in this world and it dies in this world. It will not care.
carry over until uh, until Yom Qiyamah, nor will it carry over into the Akhirah. Uh, um, so this is the this is the Sufic virtue of the Sahaba radiAllahu anhum. And the other uh, uh, the other uh, section I wanted to read is the one on zuhd, which is doing without. Allah Taala says, "وَمَا هَذِهِ الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَهُمْ وَلَعِبٌ وَإِنَّ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةَ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانُ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ." Indeed, this life of this world is is like distraction and play, and the uh, the, the the abode of the akhirah is hayawan. What does hayawan mean? You ask Arab, what does hayawan mean? It means like an animal, right? Eh, hayawan. Like, you know, it's like something you say to somebody who's like not behaved very well. But the word animal also, right? Anime means like in Greek, it means like spirit, something that moves around, you know, something that's alive. So hayawan means the same thing. It's something that's alive. It's not like a brick or a stone. It's something that has life inside of it. That's why it's a hayawan. So Allah Ta'ala says that like the, the Darul Akhirah is the, is the, 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 the abode of like true life. That this life in, of this world is like a rock compared to that. It's dead like a rock or like a like a you know a piece of wood or whatever compared to the compared to the life of the akhirah. The life of the akhirah is animate. It's it has true life in it. If they only knew. This world is referred to as play and amusement. It is like playing around and jumping for a short while, after which the fun ends. And I th- I think it's 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 funny that this is like an inelegant translation. Uh, but in 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 this in this specific place, an inelegant translation is highly appropriate. It's just fun. It's like a cheap thrill. He says that you jump around for a short while, after which the fun ends. This is the case with this world. However, actions which entail obedience to Allah's injunctions are not included in this. They are listed as matters related to the hereafter, and their fruits will be enjoyed in the hereafter. And Sayyidina Abi Sa'id al-Khudriyi radiallahu ta'ala anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqala inna hadhihi dunya hulwatun khadira wa inna Allah ta'ala mustakhlifukum fiha fayanzuru kayfa ta'lamun. narrates that the messenger Allah said that this world is sweet it's hulwa it's sweet and it's khadira and it's green it seems very lush and and, and alive uh, and Allah most high uh, uh, has appointed you as his deputy. He's put you in charge to watch over it, make sure you don't screw it up uh, uh, for for a short amount of time. Uh, and he's watching, how are you going to discharge that duty? Uh, so fear Allah uh, when it comes to the dunya and fear Allah when it, uh, when it, comes, to, uh, it comes to women. And this is a, a, a warning not just to men, but also to women as well. Uh, uh, and uh, the the full sharh uh, of that maybe some other time we can go over it. The above hadith refers to this world as sweet and green in the sense that it appears very nice and also enjoyable while utilizing it. However, just as a sweet or green item decays very quickly, uh, the same can be said of this world. Another in another hadith, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "I'm most astonished at the person who believes that the hereafter is eternal, but still strives for this world of deception." Uh, the previously quoted hadith warns us against becoming too occupied with this world and to protect ourselves from the temptation of uh, of women. Uh, what this means uh, is that special attention should be uh, given in safeguarding ourselves uh, from them and adopting precautions taught to us by the Sharia. For 
for example, to lower our gaze and abstain from uh, uh, free mixing with them and so on. And obviously this, uh, uh, this advice of the sheikh is directed toward men, but also women also should be uh, careful how they treat other women as well, in the sense that somebody who is easily taken advantage of and somebody who is uh, 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 easily abused and somebody who's uh, uh, you know who who may be humble or meek with you, and so you step all over them and treat them badly. Um, this is like this is a, a a very dangerous occasion for a person to earn the wrath of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. The life of the hereafter is the real life. And Sayyidina Anasin radiAllahu anhu and the Nabiya sallallahu alaihi wasallam aqal, Allahumma la aisha illa aisha al-akhirah. Sayyidina Anas radiallahu anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, O oh Allah, there is no real life except for the life of the hereafter. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa made this statement on two occasions. The first was the battle of the Khandaq when the Muslims were experiencing extreme difficult, extremely difficult conditions when digging the trench. Uh, and so while they dug, they would repeat the verse, نَحْنُ الَّذِينَ بَايَعُوا مُحَمَّدًا عَلَى الْجِهَادِ مَا بَقِينَا أَبَدًا that we are the ones who pledged to Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and took an oath of allegiance with him. That as long as we, uh, uh, as long as we uh, are alive, we will we'll, we'll make jihad. Uh, 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 we will strive uh, uh, and, and, and struggle uh, uh, in this path as long as we're alive. In reply to this, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "And you gotta accept. You gotta like. You gotta, you know." Topis off to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum um, that uh, in their hour of difficulty that was their their himma and their resolve that they said as long as we're in this world we're going to make jihad in the path of Allah Taala. Nowadays, if someone says jihad, uh, uh, many Muslims will scramble to like be like no 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 no, no. Uh, we didn't mean that. Uh, no, these are the people that they they had their resolve as being firm, and obviously we don't mean some you know criminal like killing women and children and stuff like that when we say that. Uh, uh, but we do mean uh, uh, the struggle in which a person will uh, will wear themselves out and give up those things that he loves in order to make Allah Ta'ala love them. Uh, so in reply to this, uh, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Allahumma la aisha illa aisha al-akhirah, fawfir al-ansara wal-muhajirah. Uh, uh, oh Allah, there's no real life except for the life of the hereafter. Uh, and so forgive the ansar and the muhajirun. These words were uttered to encourage the Sahaba, may Allah Ta'ala be pleased with them and prompt them on, uh, uh, goad them on so that they may not become restless on account of their extreme fatigue and tiredness. Uh, what uh, it meant is that this few days life after which comes the real life of the hereafter, uh, uh, and uh, therein they will find peace and comfort forever. The second time the Messenger of Allah وسلم, made this statement was on the occasion of the uh, farewell pilgrimage, uh, in the occasion of his hajj, when there was a large group of Muslims with them. Uh, here too, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, directed the attention of the Sahaba, may Allah ta'ala be pleased with them toward the hereafter, and to not become proud and uh, haughty on seeing their large numbers and strength. These uh, are things of the temporary life of this world. The real life is what's to come in the hereafter, and there will be uh, eternal and comfort and rest therein. Uh, uh, we now take the opportunity of quoting from the Ithar al-Akhirah, which is a translation of the Kitab al-Zuhd uh, and Raqa'iq of Abdullah bin Mubarak, ta'ala, which was translated by Moana Habib Rahman Azmi. I think inshallah that's enough for today we can maybe uh, this section that he translated from this kitab kitab zuhd wa raqaiq of uh, 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 u
uh, Abdullah bin Mubarak rahimahullah ta'ala, we can uh, read it tomorrow. Um, but this uh, saying of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la Aisha illa Aisha al-Akhirah, um, this was their refrain that they used to say in their hour of difficulty and, and when faced with uh, uh, back-breaking work. And the Muslims took this also as a custom after after them, uh, anhum. And the Maliki fiqh books, I don't know if it's in the other madahib also, but in the Maliki fiqh books, it's also written that a person who is on hajj that witnesses a miracle, the the the, the dua that a person should make is, Labbaik Allahumma la Aisha illa Aisha al-Akhirah. That at your service, my Lord, and there's no life except for the life of the hereafter. Uh, so uh, he'll mention, we mentioned right now, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam encouraged the Muslims uh, to, towards Zuhd. And we'll read a little bit about what the theory behind it is a little bit more tomorrow. Allah Ta'ala give us uh, a, a living heart. That lives inside of the Rida of Allah Ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.